Well, good morning, folks. Nice to be, nice to be with you again. Um, my name is Andrew Quinn, and, and I work with the Faith Mission, uh, an, an evangelistic agency. Um, I am based in, in uh, Edinburgh. I've, I've just brought one or two pieces of uh, literature with me today that are on the table as you, as you, as you, as you leave. Just want to mention those to you. Um, our Bible college, the, the uh, college news, there's some part-time study options that might be of interest for somebody, or just a little update as to what the college is up to nowadays um, on the table. Also, Edinburgh Convention happens the last few days in June and into July, a word-based um, convention, conference, and just a, an, a, an opportunity for Bible ministry. David Cook of Australia and Charles Price of Canada are coming to the convention this year to speak, might be of interest to you. And um, also our summer camps in uh, Scotland, there's three or four, five weeks of summer camps, both for uh, primary school children and teenage children. Some of you folk will remember and know Gordon Thompson well, um, and Gordon is, is involved in leading a camp for primary school children based in, in Edinburgh the second week in July, so that might be of interest for folks as well. Um, thank you. I'm going to turn in God's Word to First Peter chapter 2. Hebrews, James, First Peter, chapter 2. If you've got one of these red NIV Bibles, that would be page 1218, and I'll read a few verses from there. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a, and, a, and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Where I come from in Northern Ireland, when you got to the end of primary school, you found yourself with a choice to make where you, there was a couple of different secondary schools in town, a secondary school and a grammar school, and the neighboring town maybe had the same, and so you found yourself making a choice as to where you would go next. And then when you signed up or became or started to go to a school, you, be, you, you began to realize fairly quickly that um, the school was less about the building and was more about the people. And, and when you had 
chosen to be part of that and, and uh, came into that, then you were the school. And that became very obvious at the end of the first year because those at the end of first year were then those that advertised the school to the coming P7s. They were those that put on the uh, open night or whatever. And so, once you were on the outside deciding would you be in, second stage you were on the inside and you realized that it was all about the people. And then being on the inside, you became an advertisement wherever you went for others that uh, would perhaps consider that school or maybe come to it. And it's those three three concepts that I want to bring out of this passage or, or I want to consider a, a from this passage, this idea of perhaps being on the outside, what would, what would it bring to you? What would it do to you? How would you be part of this spiritual house, this family of God? And then on the inside, you, you realize that you are the, the, the entity. It is you, 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 be, you become part of it, and then what we do um, when we're in. And so, coming to the living stone, Peter describes it as this, um, human beings as the builders, if you like, coming to Christ as the stone. Um, what is special here? Well, this idea of a living stone, it's, it's, nothing, it's, it's nothing unique to symbolize a great leader as a stone. Going to Edinburgh, you could see many great leaders symbolized as stones. Walk around Edinburgh, and you'll find lots of stones or monuments in memory of great leaders, great thinkers, designers, all sorts of people whose lives seem to be uh, worthy of a memorial. And you can follow their philosophy if you reckon what they had to say or their lives is worthy of copying or whatever. Take the example of David Hume, for example, partway up the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, uh, symbolized in stone and bronze on the, on the uh, Royal Mile. And many people do follow his philosophy, and many people come to pay homage even to him by rubbing his toe on the uh, Royal Mile on the statue there. But one of the things about Hume is that one of the key things about him is that he's dead, and there's no energy to be received from him. Should you, should you rub his toe all day, it, it uh, won't uh, impart to you any sense of the life that he once had. But what we're talking about here is, is, is of coming to Jesus, the one that we were celebrating last weekend as the ever-living one, and one who is described by Peter as a living stone. As we celebrated last Sunday, he he once lived, as Peter writes, he's looking back. Uh, Peter once enjoyed time with him, once fished with him, once, once uh, learned at his feet. But Peter is also saying that, that he saw him resurrected and that he still lives. And so there's this opportunity to come to him as the founder of our faith, as the author of our faith, as the great example that we look back to, but also as a living one now. Um, and that's, that's uh, so important to grasp that idea of coming to a living stone because He would impart His life to us. You go back to somewhere like Ezekiel 36 where um, the prophet was making promises as to what would happen in the age of the church, and he said, I will sprinkle you with clean water and you will be clean. That idea of cleansing, I will give you a new heart will do something within you. But he also goes on to say, I will put my Spirit in you, 
and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And we see a way back there something of what's going to happen to the person that comes to the living stone. They're going to be blessed with, they're, they're going to be empowered by, uh, animated by, activated by God's life. He is living, coming to the living stone, the miracle of coming to the one who has this endless supply of His life, that He would bless us with it, that He would give this life to us, that He would share it with us. And also, as we were celebrating last weekend, His life is not like ours, where, where our life seems to uh, ebb away, but His life is, is forever. It's, the, it's, it's life in a resurrected form. It's life without an end. He is the eternal God. Peter, a witness of the resurrection, is reminding this beleaguered and suffering people that the one that they can come to, the one that they are coming to, and building their lives upon is living and will live forever and can bless them with this forever kind of life. He would share it with you. Early, earlier on in this letter, he's been speaking about a living hope coming to him as a living stone. The sad, sad reality for those who pay homage to the likes of Hume or to a more global example to the likes of the Kim dynasty and North Korean leadership. The, you, you go to North Korea today, you'll see huge statues that memorialize and remember uh, Kim Il-sung, the great founder of that family dynasty. Um, but for all the statues, he's dead. And people are, and, and we today are forever separated from his life. But what Peter is speaking about here, this idea of coming to the living stone, we're born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We receive his life as we come to him. But it does say, as you come to him, there is a need for us to come to him. There is a this idea is being presented that, 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 we, that these believers had come and that all of us need to come to Him. The, the uh, imagery of God's house is prevalent in this passage, and it uh, takes your mind back to the tabernacle and to, and to the meeting place of God amongst His people. But one of the things that really stands out as we read, as we read those ancient stories about coming to God in the tabernacle and coming to God in the temple was that only one person could ever come. And that just once a year, it was a very restricted thing. What Peter is presenting here to a widespread audience in these number of churches is of many people being able to come. One of the great glories of what we celebrated again last weekend is of the rent veil and of God, when the sacrifice was accepted, where the, where the veil was rent from top to bottom, and it opens up the way for all to come to receive something of this eternal life, this to receive from the living stone, to have an interest in Him. Psalm 34, 5 says, those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Hebrews 4.16 says, Then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and grace to find, uh, and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's a great merciful offer 
of the gospel, that God is so great in Himself as this, He, he is the ever-living one. He is the uh, one that we would forever remember, it's presented as this living stone, but also the gracious offer that, is, that uh, pervades all of Scripture, from Genesis 3 right throughout, where God came to them in the garden. He says, where art thou? And all throughout Scripture, He comes seeking this intimate relationship, seeking to share what He has with us as you come to Him, the living one. As we read further through this passage, many people stumble over Him. Uh, many people seem, as they come to Christ, for various reasons, think that they cannot receive from Him or, that they, or that, that they cannot take a place in this building. Peter, writing here, would have witnessed many of these types of different types of people who stumbled over Christ. He knew many religious Pharisees who considered Jesus not strict enough. He knew many political Herodians who considered Jesus too weak, not enough of a warrior. The people of the Decapolis, do you remember, as, the, as Jesus and His disciples went and set, set the, uh, the uh, demoniac free, the people of, of that region, seeing God's power, thought Him too radical, pushed Him away, told Him to go somewhere else. The people of Jesus' hometown could see Jesus only as Mary's son, too ordinary. The rich young man of Mark chapter 10 thought that to follow Jesus would be too costly. Many people stumble over. Many people will not come. And there's solemn words for such in this passage that we've been reading. They stumble because they disobey the message. This is what they were destined for. You don't need to be destined to lose out. You don't need to be destined to if I can use it in that way, to, to, uh, to reject Christ, to be separated from His life. There is the offer in this day of grace that you would come to Him, come to the living stone, receive from Him. Have you come? Have you come to Him? Do you know something of His life, this life that we were, that, that we were celebrating last Sunday morning? Do you know anything of that life. I, spoke, I was just mentioning there about Ezekiel 36 and this, and this offer and, the, and, the, and uh, promise from the Old Testament of, of a God breathing into human beings and blessing them with the life of the Holy Spirit. And then that beautiful, beautiful imagery of Ezekiel 37 where there's a valley of dry bones and God breathes into them by His Spirit and gives life to them. We see that wonderfully brought to fruition in the day of Pentecost and all throughout the age of the church, where God by His Spirit breathes into, into us, shares His life with us. We become animated, quickened, moved to serve Him. These that have been brought in as deacons today, they do it in the strength of the Lord, because in this our day we're, we're we're moved by this life that is within us. As you come to Him, 
the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. So the idea, being on the outside, wondering, can I have any part with this great ever-living one? Yes, come to Him. Come to Him, the living stone. And then what happens? Well, you also, as you come to Him, you also, like living stones, um, having come to Him and received His life, we become part of the spiritual house. Even you yourselves, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a place where God dwells. Been learning a little song in the church that I'm a part of in, in uh, Edinburgh by Sovereign Grace Ministries. It, 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 a catchy little tune that says, God used to dwell in a house among His people, but now He has a home that's better than the first. It doesn't look like a building with a steeple. Now He's living in the people of His church. Um, think in your minds to… think in your minds to the to that image of a tent that, that we have in the Old Testament, a tabernacle in the midst of God's people, and something of the Shekinah glory of God came and dwelt in that tent, and the people gathered round to see something of the glory of God. Think of what, what that was for them to see something of God's eternal glory being manifest in a building, and carry that concept of God, the transcendence of God, the coming down of God even. But stop thinking about a building, and just think of us as a group of people. If, if there was no other containment here, we were just out in a park or something, and the only containment that, that there was was just whatever containment there is within us. And somehow the awesome glory of the same God comes and inhabits the individual. Somehow God comes to, to live by His life within us as His people. The tabernacle and the temple in the midst of the people was fine for an age when, when there was just one ethnic group of people, when they were all living in one distinct locality in the Middle East. God manifested His presence in a building or in a structure in the form of a tent and then in a building later on, and that was in a sense fine for that day. But as we know from the promise to Abraham, God always had intentions to… to uh, to enlarge what he was doing and to spread it out to all nations. And so there had to be some sort of a had to be some sort of a plan in place whereby his glory would be taken to the ends of the earth, whereby something of his of his manifest presence would be spread out across the world. This is the genius of what we have here, whereby God comes not to dwell in buildings in one distinct locality, but to but, but to dwell in people. And then, as these people spread out from the Middle East, and as we continue to spread out today, we take with us something of the indwelling, something of the earthly manifestation of God's glory 
and His presence and His Spirit gives, a, gives something of a dimension to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world, whereby we as living stones receiving His life, He lives within us. Wherever we go, we advertise Him. We carry something of His glory and His beauty with us. Um, we come to Him, we're living stones, we're made into a spiritual house. A common component in all of the stones is the Holy Spirit. A common component in every life of a Christian is, is, is God living by His Spirit. We're all different, but we're all the same in that the same Holy Spirit lives within us. There's Jesus promised something of this. In John 4, uh, the woman that He met in John chapter 4, was talking about worshiping in one mountain and the Jews worshiping on another mountain. She says, and Jesus explains to her, there's a time coming when it, it won't be about the place, but it'll be about coming through the same Holy Spirit. You worship the Father in spirit and truth. Being built into a holy house, a spiritual house, it's, you get the sense of it being a continual process whereby we're being built. There's a sense of, of a daily coming to the living stone. There's a sense daily as we read our Bibles, as we pray, as we seek the Lord, there's a sense of a, of a, of a, of a continual drip feed of this life of God to us. Um, and so the house is continually being built and others are continually being added to I rejoice with you that others are being prepared to publicly witness to their faith next Sunday morning. Just the sense that the church is always getting bigger. There's always stones being added. And these, these people on the inside are described as a privileged people. Once you were not a people. The beauty of the church, as the world looks on, we look like an eclectic bunch. We look like a motley crew but we're described here as the people of God. We're described as a chosen people, a people belonging to God. He looks on us as a parent, would uh, look on a little family with delight. We're His. We're marked by the Spirit. We're, we're brought into this spiritual house, this privileged people. Um, Peter's audience were a people who who in coming to Christ would have lost something of their earthly identity. They would have no longer been welcomed at some of the feasts and orgies that would have happened in, the, in their culture. Being honest in business, they would have, wouldn't have went down well in the chambers of commerce, as you see in various, in some of those instant, incidents in Acts of the Apostles. They would have been snubbed by family isolated in the arts as monotheists. Those in the lower classes, those that worked diligently, lived morally, would have been snubbed too. But such an encouragement to know from the Lord that you're my people. You're, you're, you're cast out of society in one sense, but you're brought into something else. A privileged people brought into the, and recognized as the people of God. Once on the outside, without life, coming to the living stone and in union with the living stone, 
blessed with his life, we become living stones. Then on the inside, think, think images of, of, of security and honor. We're a privileged people. Um, we're, we're continually being built. We're, we're blessed and indwelt by the Spirit of God uh, brought into this privileged group. And then the third thing, as having been brought in, having been part of the church, what is our, what is our role? What is our calling? Well, two things come out at the end of this passage. We're to be a holy priesthood. Christians as priests serving in the building, this idea of servants that we've been already in, 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 introduced to in the first part of our service, um, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. What, 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 what does that look like? Well, Romans 12, 1 says that, that, that we offer ourselves. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Quite a paradox in Romans 12, whereby we're the sacrifice we're, we're offering it all up, and yet we're still living. This idea that all that we are is given over to God, but we're still living, and so we have some sort of an active daily role to play in being responsive. Um, we offer, what else do we offer? Well, Hebrews 3.15 speaks about offering the, the uh, sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, not only in in a church situation, but wherever we go as we talk about the Lord, we offer the sacrifice of praise, a public profession of our faith. Uh, Hebrews 3.16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, and other sacrifices out of love, just giving to others. Um, Philippians 4.8 speaks about, I receive from Epaphras the gifts you sent there, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. What was it? just simply money, a gift, some sort of giving. And so, once we were on the outside, then we're on the inside, blessed with security and honor, and, and being on the inside, we offer something back to God, spiritual sacrifice. But the last thing as well, we, we also declare His praises in the world, you're my chosen people a holy nation, a people belonging to God. God says, they are my people. And then as the world looks at us, we become those who declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful lives, into His wonderful light. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may glorify God. Being on the inside, we offer something back to God, but also being on the inside, we become advertisements to the world around us. That was, that was part of the role of the temple right from the beginning. Um, Isaiah 56, for example, says, "...and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord and to worship Him, and all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and all who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. 
But if you remember one of the few instances when we see Jesus mad in His time on earth was when just coming to the end of, of, his, of his earthly life, he came to Jerusalem, and he's seen them, uh, Mark eleven seventeen, 17, uh, desecrating the Lord's house. They were, they were, they'd, they'd turn it into a house for money changers and buying, of, buying and selling of sacrifices. What was, what was the, what was the, the, uh, the, the core of Jesus' anger was because He was being presented in His house as, as, uh, by a group of corrupt people uh, who were overcharging for money changing and, and, um, and, and overcharging for these sacrifices. And, the, and as the people gathered from North Africa and from around the Mediterranean basin to see what the Lord was like, they were seeing something that was unlike what the Lord is truly like. And so, wherever we go, as God's people, we declare His praises to the world around us. Um, the temple was the shop window for the world, and we too um, are a shop window for the living God. Um, so, as we come to Him, we come not to a dead monument, but to a living stone. And He would impart His life to you. I trust you know something of that life. I trust you know something of the wind of God's Spirit continually animating you, motivating you to serve Him, to love Him. Um, what a privilege to be part of God's spiritual house inhabited by the Holy Spirit, a people who don't quite fit in a pagan society, a people who seem to be always interested in another kingdom, and a people whose greatest calling is to make this same living stone known that others would come to and join in. Amen. As we finish, I'll, I'll, I'll pass back to Ross because I'm not quite sure of the, the hymn.